our company doubled pretty rapidly for a couple of years and then it tripled. And then one year it looked like it was going to more than quadruple. And Bob and I had never taken a dime of investor money to to grow our business. And we were we were growing and we ran out of money. I mean, we ran out of cash. Welcome to Small City Innovators. I'm your host, Ryan Hurley, and this is the show where we connect and celebrate the people and ideas empowering the small city movement across the country. This episode is part of our series on leading female innovators in Durham and Raleigh, North Carolina, part of the state's triangle region. Our guest today is Maria Kingery. Maria is the co-founder and chief impact officer at Raleigh-based Southern Energy Management. SEM is a pioneer and leader in rooftop solar and building performance services in the Southeast. Maria founded SEM with her husband, Bob, in 2001. She's also principal at her own consulting firm, where she advises fellow impact entrepreneurs today. In this conversation, Maria shares the wild ups and downs of her journey as a leader in the emerging solar market in the Southeast and the valuable insights she's had along the way. During our talk, she mentions utility scale and rooftop solar. For those of you who may not know, utility scale is made up of centralized solar farms operated by a utility and reliant on power lines for distribution, whereas rooftop solar is installed directly on homes or businesses and is known as distributed energy. Maria Kingery, welcome to Small City Innovators. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the invitation to come and to have this conversation with you. It is such a pleasure. I'd love to start by asking you how you went from getting your BA in English in 1999 at NC State to founding Southern Energy in 2001, just two years later, when there was barely any solar market to speak of or skilled workforce uh, doing solar installations at that time. I always think about if we knew what we knew now, would we have done what we did? I can't say the answer is yes, honestly. Like if I had sat down and analyzed the market and, and you know, and actually used some of the business yeah. quote unquote skills that I have attained over the last couple of decades, I'm not sure that we would have done it. And so there really is this tension between just determination and a knowing of an, and an intuition of what needs to happen and then going out there and do it. Because believe me, there are lots of people who will tell you why a thing can't be done or shouldn't be done. No doubt. <laughs> so how has the the solar market and or the solar industry, let's say in North Carolina, changed? from that time? What's different now uh, compared to when you started? Well, first of all, there is one. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's, that's the, not only one, it's number two, <laughs> right. the second largest in the country. Right. That's, that's, that's the biggest surprise. Like if, if someone, even 10 years ago, if someone had said to me, and I think a few people did actually, you know, North Carolina is going to be this huge leader. Um, it would have been very, very difficult to believe given the challenges that we encountered and, um, you know, the solar industry started to change when 
policy started to catch up with the technology. And that's, you know, so common in, in so many industries, right? They're, they're, the technology is there. And then there has to be this will. Um, and in our country, it's a political will and an economic will, which are obviously intertwined in a lot of ways. So when we in North Carolina were very, um, we had always had a 35% North Carolina state tax credit. So the little bit of, you know, this remnant of an industry was left over from the 70s when uh, the Carter administration really made a big push for renewables. Um, arguably, the technology wasn't ready then. So there was this big dip, right? And then when when a new administration, it was really the Obama administration that started pushing for renewables and for clean energy, there was a big hangover. I mean, I always called it the solar hangover, right? Because people were around who could remember, oh man, that was a terrible, that was a nightmare. And we had people rush into the market to make a quick buck and then they went away. And, th and there was realistic fear. I mean, really wise um, people asking questions about, is that going to happen again? There were also, of course, the entrenched industries who didn't want to see it happen. So I think that the industry, because of, and, and this happens so many times, I, I believe in businesses and in our own personal journeys as well, because of the dip and, and the really the the boom and bust of the 70s, there were a lot of lessons that were learned that helped the market to develop into what it is today. Um, so without that challenge and sort of that quote unquote failure at that time, we probably would not have had the more thoughtful, intelligent, um, more long-term policies that have been put in place here in North Carolina. That makes a lot of sense. So working through all this kind of myriad of challenges from policy issues to no market, to no skilled workforce, to be able to do all this work, to having to train all these people, to working hand in hand with your husband and having this as a bootstrap type business, which you did. Tell us more about you know, what, what some of your biggest challenges were, what, what your biggest challenge was and, and how you went working through that. So this isn't something that I've really talked a lot about externally to our company, although everyone in our company knows the story of um, with fast growth. Right. So when the policy started lining up and when the utilities were given a mandate to install, you know, a certain percentage of solar and when people really started to get excited about solar, we were one of the early companies and, and we were very good at what we did. So we got lots of opportunities and our company doubled pretty rapidly for a couple of years and then it tripled and then one year it looked like it was going to more than quadruple and we call by the way our industry the solar coaster right people inside so we say <laughs> we're on the solar coaster right so so when we were we were on this you know hill going up on the solar coaster and you know in my mind I can almost feel the hear that clack 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 right and you're going you're going and you're like oh my gosh where's the top where's the top so Bob and I had never taken a dime of investor money 
to to grow our business and we were we were growing and we ran out of money i mean we ran out of cash it is a classic classic mistake that you know i used to call it a jv mistake now i almost think maybe it's a necessary mistake um to learn that lesson the hard way because we were invincible until we weren't and other things that came along with fast growth you mentioned skilled workforce the the technical skills weren't the difficult part to find we had a great training program we had some great processes in place where we could bring people who had basic electrical skills, you know, basic um, construction skills along and train them on that part. The part that was difficult was hiring the people who shared our values and who really deeply cared about what we were doing as much as we did and as much as the core team and the early people did. So as we grew, and we were sort of, again, we were on the solar coaster and there's this adrenaline going and, and, and things look great on the outside and there's just opportunity flooding our way. It was inconsistent with the values that we started our company with and what our intention was when we started our company, which was, it was not to build, you know, this giant company. You know, we had hundreds of people on our payroll. And then, and then hundreds more contractors, right, doing business, building the first utility-scale solar systems in 12 states up and down the East Coast, right? And while that was sort of, you know, exciting and fun for a while, as sort of word got out about the solar industry and much more sophisticated players entered the market and the price of solar, like there's this big pressure to, to push the price down, right? So it can be competitive with, with other forms of energy, which I get completely. But we reached a day like where we realized we could not pay our people properly. We, we just, we couldn't build a B Corp around, at that time, at least around utility scale solar. This is such an interesting one, thinking about innovation and fast growth. Mm -hmm. When you're on that solar coaster and it's going, yeah. what gets broken? Yeah. So a lot of things, I mean, in hindsight, a lot of things got broken. And when I think back to the core, at the core, it wasn't the money and it wasn't that we didn't, you know, have the resources. It was that we did not have all of the right people surrounding us asking the right questions. And we weren't asking the right questions of ourselves, quite frankly. So what have you learned about finding the right people and the right partners? Yeah, so the number one thing is to find people who compliment you and who have skills and experience and bring resources to bear that you don't have. Like Dan Sullivan, who I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Dan Sullivan. He's a entrepreneur's entrepreneur, right? And he talks about this whole concept of who, not how. Like we can do anything in the world if we can just put the right people, and I would add with the right spirit, 
right? They have to share your values and they have to believe in what it is that you're looking to accomplish. And it has to be part of them. It can't be about the ego, which early on in the solar industry, you know, when you're going up that hill, that's really exciting. And, you know, it's kind of fun to be part of that and sort of wave down at, at the people who are watching it happen. And so ego can get a little bit caught up in that. But the main thing I learned was to remain relentlessly humble and relentlessly optimistic and surround yourself with people who share your core values and 100% believe in what it is you're trying to accomplish in the world. So thinking now, you know, back to, to that fast growth period, how did you all find a balance? And, and were you, have you been able to, to find a point of success that you can exist within this solar market today and still compete? That was the question that I wasn't smart enough to ask myself. You know, I remember there was a day when we were at wit's end. I mean, you know, we were far, far more in debt than the money that Bob and I had to bring to bear. And we were personally guaranteed on everything, right? So we had built this company really on our on our name, but it was suggested, you know, you, you could declare bankruptcy, that's what companies do, and then you could start over. And I'm like, we're a B Corp. I'm still shocked at how matter of fact our quote unquote advisors were about this, right? Well, just take, just take bankruptcy. Um, no. Again, that was a key decision that, that I'm, it was a difficult decision in a lot of ways um, financially, but it was an easy decision for me personally. So I remember during that time, I literally would sit on the floor in my bedroom. I, I did not know anything about mindfulness or meditation at that time, but I would sit on the floor in my bedroom and I would just for five minutes before I would get up and do anything, I would just basically surrender. And I would say, God, just let me be who I'm meant to be today. Because I had no idea, Ryan. I had no idea what I was supposed to do. Um, I was in uncharted territory for myself. And I can't say like, oh, yay. And I jumped up and, you know, went off into to the world and, you know, do, do, do. But I knew on some level that if I stayed true, if we stayed true to what we believed and what we wanted to accomplish in the world, that it would somehow, I just had faith, I guess, that it would somehow work out, you know? And nobody else in an emerging market like that, nobody else could tell us what to do. Um, there were lots of, again, business advisors and uh, turnaround experts who who came in and, you know, gave us lots of advice, but none of it, well, not none of it, but most of it didn't feel authentic to who we were and what we were trying to do. So I will never forget a day that I was sitting in our office. I remember one of our team members asked me a question that I've never forgotten. And the question was, what do you and Bob want? And I realized in that moment, I'd never thought about that. We'd just been going and going and going and going and, and doing and 
really for um, for the good of the industry and you know all good stuff, right? And for the good of our team. And but we had it had been a long time since we had stopped as founders of this organization and as people with everything, you know, our whole you know financial future at least on the line. It's been a long time since we thought about what we really wanted. I realized I'm reflecting on that. that I didn't be wanting to be running a large construction company, which was basically what we had turned into. And it was no longer about um, making people's solar dreams come true, right? It was now about like, how cheap can we get this? And, and how cheap can we make the labor? And, you know, a half a penny on a panel was a big deal. And, it was just not our game. It was not our game. And it felt very inconsistent with who we were as people. And so there was a turning point. And again, couldn't have planned it, but had a chance meeting and met a gentleman. I was on a panel and met a gentleman named Sidney Hinton who owned Power Secure. Uh, a large public, well, not a large, but a you know medium-sized publicly traded company in the industry that was doing microgrid and some really cool energy efficiency stuff. And he just, he was like, huh, I'm, I'm kind of interested in solar. And long story short, he ended up buying the utility scale part of our business, just that part, employed all of our people, everybody who wanted a job got to keep their job. And some of them were with them for, for several years, for many years. Um, I think one person is actually still with the company. But at any rate, it, it enabled us to sort of divest that part of the business that we that we didn't love. We didn't love that part of the business. We went into this business because we love what we do. And we loved the opportunity that the this thought of, you know, call it naive or whatever, but this thought that we could make a difference in the world. And we were not doing that. Other people had come along, right? There are the stratas of the world and other, you know, large utility scale solar companies who who could take over that part. And they, you know, that's what they're good at. What we're good at is building a great team that is focused on really moving the needle forward in ways that there, that it hasn't been moved yet. So, for example, now we are very focused on rooftop solar. Right on. So when when SCM you know experienced the solar coaster, one of the things the results of that was I came away thinking I have no business running a business, and and I was convinced that I didn't know what I was doing, and you know I really should have listened to all those experts, and I should have done my homework, you know, I should have done all the analysis beforehand. Should should should, you know, I'm shooting all over myself, and so I went We've out all been and there, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I went out and I looked for models, and I looked for okay, who's doing who's doing business right and well and um obviously the b corp model was one model that i had that we had already adopted and then i found this thing called the entrepreneurial operating system which is really put really simply it's a simple set of 
really proven tools that come from, you know, a variety of different schools of thought. But the founder, Gina Wickman, who created this thing, just basically boiled it down into this beautiful system that can be easily implemented. And, you know, by focusing on these six key components. And I can focus on six things, right? I try to focus on many more, but realistically, I can focus on vision, people, data, process, issues, and traction. I I can do that. So I learned this and we started implementing it at SCM. It transformed our entire business. It gave us for the first time what we had always wanted, which was true distributed decision-making. Like because of the solar coaster, right, Bob and I, one of the things we realized was, hey man, what, like, where did we mess up? Did we not listen to our people? Do we not have the right people? Do we, you know, I think it was a combination of things, but at any rate, we now have, and, and through using this system, we're able to build a team where, you know, honestly, people have understand what their roles are so completely and own them in a way we talk about ownership thinking and all that kind of stuff. Well, there's a lot that goes into that. How did you end up in Raleigh and what do you love most about it? Um, What I love about Raleigh and really the triangle is that there's all these different communities that are distinct and yet we are we're, we're still connected in some ways, right? So, you know, Chapel Hill feels different than Durham, feels different than Raleigh. It's always interesting. There's so much variety. Yeah, I mean. Community spirit. Yeah, community spirit. I mean, there's, and and don't discount fun. I mean, there's always like, there's bands all the time. There's festivals all the time, food truck rodeos, you know, which when you're doing work like we're doing, and you're trying to change the world. You got to have some fun. Got to. What's the quote about dancing? If I can't dance, I don't want to be part of your revolution. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I haven't heard that, but I love it. <laughs> what local business or organization have you partnered with and would recommend to others? So the organization that I am most passionate about is the B Corp community. And so we have a... Um, a group of local we're working on really strengthening the bonds between not just local B Corps, but also people who care about the work that we're doing and and really um, understand and, and want to learn more about using business as a force for good. So be local triangle. If you Google that, come get involved. I would also like to put in a plug for another organization that I'm a part of. It's called Entrepreneurs Organization, EO. And EO has uh, chapters around the world, 14,000 members worldwide, but they're all um, entrepreneurs. It's a peer-to-peer learning network that has been transformational for me personally. Right now, I'm having the opportunity to work at a global level on these sustainable development goals through this organization, which we're the official entrepreneurship partner with the UN. Um that helps me to, is helping me to realize my core um, belief. And this is my, with my EOS work and with my work with this organization, that entrepreneurs, we're the ones who are going to change the world. And and what we need to do is provide tools to, to build the capacity so more and more entrepreneurs can do that faster. What's a work app that you couldn't live without? 
a work app that I couldn't live without. I would say at this point it's WhatsApp. Because and and while that may seem social, like I have a tremendous number of business related groups that I'm a part of that just enables us to communicate really quickly and easily. So I love WhatsApp. Right on. Where can people find you online? Oh my gosh. So MariaKingery.com is the place to go. And of course, LinkedIn, Facebook. And and for those locally, is there uh an event coming up that they could see you at or a recurring event that you participate in regularly? Um, the If you go to, if you look up Be Local Triangle, we are hosting a series of events, at least quarterly we have events where people can learn more about B Corps, whether they're employees of B Corps or they're just curious about B Corps. And we do monthly happy hours. So just getting together at different locations around the triangle to, again, build those connections and and uh, help people to get to know each other. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Maria, for being one of our first guests on Small City Innovators and being part of our series, Women Leaders in the Triangle here in North Carolina. You certainly are one of the most inspiring leaders that I know in our community. And I thank you so much for all your incredible work. Well, thank you, Ryan. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. I appreciate the kind words and uh, I just appreciate the opportunity to do the work that I do and to know that there are so many other fine people around doing it as well. We're pretty lucky to be a part of this community. It's amazing. It really is. Thanks for doing the series. Last year, SEM took the equivalent of 5,000 cars and their carbon off the road with its installations, and they provided such great opportunity and rewards for their 80 employees that they've been named one of the best places to work in North Carolina's Triangle region. It's no surprise the company has also been a benefit corporation or B Corp since 2009, receiving numerous awards for its positive stakeholder impact. B Corps are certified for meeting the highest standards of social and environmental performance. Today, there are 3,000 companies in 64 countries that have joined SEM as B Corps. Thanks so much for listening and being a part of the small city movement. We're changing the world with purpose-driven innovation and bottom-up solutions, and your support makes a difference. Please take a moment to subscribe to the show and give us a review. It really helps us attract new listeners. Small City Innovators is produced by me, Ryan Hurley, along with Mikkel Elbeck of Toro Town Storyworks and support from Baron Vogue.